Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this special episode of the Powerhouse Podcast. We are so honored today to have Miss America 2020, Camille Schreier, with us on the podcast. So thank you so much, Camille, for being with us today. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. And Allie, it is so good to see you again. I know we yes. shared our Miss America experience together. So uh, I'm so glad to see you both. Absolutely. Well, I would love to just start off the podcast with what are you up to now? And backing up a little bit, what is something that maybe you would love for people to know more about you that we didn't get to fully see or experience during your time as Miss America? Oh gosh. So now I am back in school. So before I ever competed for Miss Virginia and Miss America, I was a full-time graduate student and I am getting my doctor of pharmacy which is a four-year graduate program. And I did my first year before I ever won. And of course, I really never anticipated that I would win Miss Virginia or Miss America. So I had spoken to my dean's office and I was like, hey guys, like there's a chance in, you know, a million years that I might win these two things and have to take time away. So I spent two years full-time Miss Virginia and Miss America and then have just come back uh, last August to get back into the program. So I'm in my second of four years And I try to remind myself that I pay for the kind of torture that I am, you know, experiencing (laughs) every day because it is so hard. The quantity of information, the difficulty of the information um, is just beyond what I've ever experienced in my education thus far. And I did five years, two undergraduate degrees and gosh, this takes the cake. But I'll tell you, I'm very grateful to be back into that experience. And after spending two and a half years as a title holder, kind of, you know, consecutively being Miss Virginia for six months, Miss America for relatively two years. I was really, really grateful to change from that kind of part of my life back into the student piece. It's really nice to sit in a classroom and have people talk at you because in so many situations, I was the one who had to go into the room and entertain everybody. And so it's very uh, refreshing to be the person who gets to just sit there and learn and absorb information, although it's very demanding. So I'm back in that right now, but I also am trying to continue a lot of the work that I started and did as Miss Virginia and Miss America. So I'm still doing the science advocacy that I had worked on, kind of created my own science brand now. So it's called Her Royal Scientist, which kind of plays off of the idea of being a science princess. And uh, I still do a lot of advocacy with drug safety and mind your meds. And that's something that I hope to continue to do. And that all started from pharmacy. So it's just kind of a little bit of a full circle moment for me to kind of get back into just being Camille. And that's been a really beautiful transition to say like, hey, I got to do all these really cool things in my time as a title holder. And now I'm going to do all those things as Camille and I'm going to continue them because you don't necessarily need a crown to be able to do all of these incredible things and advocacy in our lives. But that gave me such a great platform. And now I don't want to waste that. I want to use that and continue to be able to use it. So that's just a little bit of what I'm doing right now. Um, And gosh, something that people wouldn't necessarily know about. Um, That's a little bit hard. I would say I try to be really transparent on social media. So I hope that people really get to know me from what I do, but I still could be better at it as I'm sure a lot of us could be. (laughs) I think that people don't necessarily recognize how much my rare disease affects me. And I've talked about it a little bit. I have something called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and I've had it like my whole life. It's a genetic condition and I learned about it. I learned that I had it in 2007. So I was 11 at that point. And it never really affected me that much, but the older I've gotten, the more it has become 
kind of a challenge in my life. It was a challenge during my time as Miss America. And I can touch on that too. Um, but I, I struggle with chronic pain, fatigue, brain fog, um, dizziness, vertigo, um, fluctuations in my blood pressure and heart rate constantly, injuries. I'm in physical therapy every single week just to get my pain under control. Wow. And being Miss America exacerbated a lot of those things yeah. and made me question if I could even really do the job of Miss America before I went. And so, of course, you get there, right? And you want to compete and you want to win. But in the back of your mind, sometimes you're like, can I do this? Hmm. Um, and for me, it was like I knew I could do it mentally. I knew that I could execute the position, but I was worried about how my body would physically be able to handle yeah. it. And I think that COVID was a blessing in a way because it allowed me to be able to do my job remotely a lot of the time. And so it became a lot healthier for my body. So that's just a little bit of like a background on, on who I am and kind of what I go through. But uh, gosh, it's been a crazy two and a half years, which is way longer than any title holder should ever be a title holder. <laughs> well, you're just out to break records and, and set them too, which mm-hmm. obviously we love about you too. But I think that's Thank just you. so powerful, like that part of your story. And a lot of people don't get to hear that perspective because they just see the perfection of social media or they just yeah. see the result of you at a benefit or an event and speaking to everybody. And they're like, wow, that girl, her life must be perfect. And she's got every everything together. Like that's just the perception. So first of all, thank you for allowing us to see behind the curtain and be vulnerable with the people listening or watching to this, because unless you were willing to share that you had a chronic illness, no one would even know because Mm -hmm. I'm gosh, you're beautiful. You're talented, you're accomplished and you're Miss America. And so thank you for allowing us into that part of your life. But I'd love for you to dive a little bit deeper into like the strategies of how you actually manage that. Because I know people deal with life, right? There's Mm -hmm. highs and lows, whether people have a chronic illness, they have just stuff going on. They're trying to accomplish a big goal. They have family issues, relationship issues. Like life is hard. It really is. So Mm -hmm. being someone of such a high caliber, like you are and very accomplishments driven, have a lot going on in public In public. Yeah. Yeah. How did you manage all of that? Are there strategies or tips or techniques that you have used? Yeah. Like walk us through part of that process a little bit. Great question. That's been a challenge and it's hard sometimes to manage it. And I, so I kind of go through two different things. So I've struggled with mental health problems throughout my life and I struggle with kind of the chronic physical problems that I go through. So I have a lot of what I like to call invisible illnesses. And I think a lot of us can empathize with that. And there's many people that you come across in your day-to-day life that have stuff going on that you have no idea because they don't look sick. They don't look like they're having a problem. They look happy. They don't like you think of like Chesley Christ. I, I, yeah. I bring that up because she's the perfect example of someone that you would look at and say, this girl has the perfect life. She seems to be so happy and, and not struggling with anything. And then we see her um, really face the consequences of what she was dealing with inside. And I think I really empathize with that because that's kind of how I feel sometimes in the, in the sense that I have a lot going on that no one necessarily would know about. And that's why I try to talk about it because I want other people to recognize that I'm not perfect, um, that all of us have stuff that we're going through. So for me, in terms of managing it, I try to be proactive. That's been one of the biggest ways that I can successfully control the symptoms and really consequences of all the things that I go through. And when I say proactively, I mean, not letting myself get to a point of physical or mental crisis and figuring out how I can recognize what I'm going through and then make a direct change 
to keep that from progressing or to prevent that from happening. So for me, in terms of like my body, I need rest. Number one. I don't know, Allie, if you ever saw me sleeping <laughs> under the tables at Miss America oh, in the yeah. dressing room. Oh, yeah. I brought a pillow and a blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, I sleep all the time. Um, and when I say I sleep all the time, I sleep like eight hours a night. And then I typically will take a nap during the day just mm-hmm. to revitalize my energy. So I have a lot of fatigue that goes along with what I have. And my body just sometimes needs to be like kind of horizontal and lay down for a minute. So gravity <laughs> doesn't affect me so much. So getting enough rest, um, drink, which sounds like, okay, everyone's supposed to do that. But when you have a chronic disease and you don't do those typical things, you might feel the implications a little bit more. I mentioned this because the job of Miss America is not conducive to rest or any type of stability. Or eating normal foods because you're <laughs> always on the yeah. road and like you're in hotels and you're ordering room service and you don't necessarily get to sleep a lot. So today and you don't have any time for me to take a break that doesn't work for me Hmm. and ultimately just speaking up and saying hey you know this doesn't work for me I need a break here for this Hmm. amount of time and I need a break for lunch and I need to do this instead of just doing what everyone tells you to do at every single point I think sometimes when you get into these positions of you know being a title holder you kind of feel like you have to do everything everyone tells you to do because you're supposed to do the job a certain way and I had to do the job a different way, and that was okay. It didn't diminish what I with with the impact that I made was. Um, I ultimately needed to take care of myself first, and then that allowed me to be able to go out and do my job better. But I'll tell you, there are some days that I just feel absolutely terrible, and I still had to just go out and do my job. And some days I felt like I couldn't really form words because I was kind of in a brain fog, or I was overtired or I was dehydrated or, you know, I just wasn't feeling well. And I just had to kind of push through that in a way, but that's kind of been my whole life too. So, um, those become difficulties in what I do. Um, I didn't struggle with as much chronic pain during my time as Miss America as I do now as a student. And I think that might just be a change in lifestyle. Um, but also taking care of your mental health is really important as a title holder. And that's something I think we don't talk about enough. There is so much criticism that comes along when you get into a public forum, even as a state title holder, but especially when you become a national Mm -hmm. representative and people can be absolutely terrible to you. Um, Mostly online is what I experienced, less in person, but people can just kind of be abrasive in person as well. And understanding how to deal with those things or figuring out how to cope with them in a way that's healthy becomes another piece of managing your, you know, whole health as a title holder. And I think that we need to prioritize that more um, as it really, and it doesn't matter if you're in Miss America, Miss USA, another system, when you are in a position of um, being a representative for whatever system that you're in, health needs to be a number one priority. And I think that that's been something that I have really worked on and what I hope other girls are able to kind of like take my lead and say, you know what? Like I need to stand up for myself and do what I need for my own health right now. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I, I hope that with in light of recent events that yeah. national directors can come together mm-hmm. and kind of like let the past be the past and understand that yes, we are fighting for this goal of women being aesthetically beautiful and perfect intellectually and all these things that are required of us. But at the same time, it can't be the detriment to mm-hmm. none of this matters if you're not here tomorrow. You know what I mean? And I and I just hope Absolutely. that like we can slow down for a second with all mm-hmm. the changes that have been happening and new systems that are being mm-hmm. created. And, and what does Miss America, Miss USA look like today? And just like get back to basics, you know, even with what's going on in our world right now with Russia and Ukraine, like I made a post yesterday where I was like, guys, can we even as Americans just kind of settle down and realize that some of the stupid things that we argue about and attack each other for on social media every day, you could be worrying if your house is going to get bombed today, you know, or if your country is going to get taken over. And I just hope that again, in light of recent events that we have a little bit of a reality check and, and get back to basics. That's kind of what helped me get through a lot of the tougher moments to realize that like ultimately it's really awesome that I'm Miss America, but there are so many other things in the world that are more important than that. Mm-hmm. And the criticism from some random person that is on the internet and doesn't like how I'm doing my job really ultimately has no impact on my overall yeah. success and shouldn't make me feel any you know better or worse if someone's hyping me up or tearing me down. Like I try to mitigate that because ultimately it's, it's not important in the end, at the end of the day, um, you know, competing in pageants is an absolutely wonderful experience in life, but it's not our whole life. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's not the, the priority of our society. It's a development for young women, but it's not, shouldn't necessarily be the most important thing in our lives. Um, it's a fun and wonderful thing for us to do. But if you put too, I, I don't know, I had to kind of like take myself out of it for a little bit and be like, yeah. this can't be, if I put my entire worth and heart into this, um, I'm going to set myself up to be disappointed because if, if I'm taking my whole value off of what, how people think that I served as Miss America, I'm going yeah. to be disappointed. I need to look at how do I think that this has impacted me? How have I made an impact on the people that I've met? And ultimately, that's how I have to gauge my success in that because it's all subjective. I mean, there's everyone has an opinion and I see it all the time. And unfortunately, it's interesting because I see a lot of the criticisms of women in uh, pageantry from other women in pageantry. Yeah, absolutely. And we we love to, you know, part of, you know, it's interesting because being in a pageant, you're, you're being judged. That's part of what you're signing up to be to, to have done. And so we, we like to, to judge each other in a way. And I think that we need to get better at uh, supporting one another and supporting each other's differences and recognizing um, that what makes us unique is what makes us special and not necessarily to tear other women down because they don't fit the mold because I didn't fit the mold at all. And I think that that was very uncomfortable for a lot of people who didn't see me as someone that was the Miss America that they expected. Hmm. And I'm not going to apologize for that because that was who I always was. And I didn't want to change who I was just to fit the mold that what everyone else is comfortable seeing as Miss America. Mm -hmm, And that was important for me, but I encourage, especially in light of the whole Chesley Christ situation, I think that it's so important for us to look, to to take a step back and look at the words that we're saying to other people and how Mm -hmm. they could potentially impact someone through comments, through um, those terrible anonymous boards on the internet yeah. through comments on Facebook, on Instagram DMS, your words have impact. And just because someone is in a public facing role doesn't mean that they deserve that type of 
treatment. And I, I feel like I've, I've heard many times people that say, oh, you know, she signed up for this. Like she became Miss America. She knew what she was getting in, into. Like she she made the choice to open herself up to this. And I hate that mindset yeah. because yeah. I don't think anyone deserves the type of criticism and uh, and really vitriol that I've faced in the time that I was Miss America. And I know that I'm not alone in that. And I know that even many, many women across the the country in all systems experience this. So I'm not saying that I'm the only one. I'm just one of many. Um, But it's just really counterintuitive to me because we we do this for our own professional development to Mm -hmm. make a difference, to advocate, to try to do all of these things. But ultimately, we get picked apart for whatever we do or don't do. And that was one of the most difficult pieces for me because I'm a huge people pleaser. And so are most girls that compete because we want people to like us. We're we're trained to be able to make everyone in the room that we are in feel special and heard. And for us to be able to kind of make an impact on them. And then when we feel like we're not accepted or that people aren't receiving what we're doing well, that can hurt us a lot. Um, So that was just a really unexpected. I think I wasn't really fully prepared or expecting of that kind of a situation at such a public scale when I did win. And that became a little bit of a transition for me. And it still continues after you're done. Miss America, I'll say that never really goes away. Um, And that's just been more of an adjustment. I just had to kind of change my mindset in learning to take the value off of that and think about the things that are important to me and what I value in my own life. Absolutely. I'm thinking about girls that were like you and so pre Camille Miss America and girls that might be people pleasing girls that might have had pageant experience or not pageant experience and they kind of don't know how to prepare their mind for something or prepare their mind for the job so and you use something so great when you were telling your story about the 12 hour day and you said I (laughs) found my voice and I think that's so powerful like I feel like that phrase gets tossed around a lot in like a really corny way like oh find your voice Mm -hmm. or like speak up for yourself be an advocate for yourself and I'm like cool Mm -hmm. how do we actually do that like and when it comes time to do it how do I implement that and how do I I embolden myself yeah yes yeah unfortunately through six years of coaching now it happens a lot at the local level. And Mm -hmm. I think no offense to anybody, it's just a level of emotional intelligence that many local directors don't have. And you have these 13 through 26 year olds walking into the gambit that, Mm -hmm. that the local directors or whoever is the director has the keys to the kingdom. Right. And they want this so badly. And so it's almost this like impossible situation where they're walking in and they have to present this, what they might think sometimes is this Barbie doll, perfect version of themselves. And they have to people please because they've convinced themselves that if they don't please the director, who's not ultimately the judge giving them the score, but in their brain it is. So what would be your advice to people having now been fully behind the curtain And also, I'd love for you just to share a little bit more about like what you think the vision of Miss America is. Why Mm -hmm. Emma won? Who, you know, what's the next girl going to look like from your perspective? What can girls Mm -hmm. be fighting for in terms of keeping their authenticity and encouraging them that they don't have to act that way to please a person, um, but also like from the greater perspective of the organization? So I'm going to address this kind of in how I went about my Miss America journey, which was I went in 100% who I was, and I wasn't going to let anybody change that. And I think entering my local with that mindset 
kind of set my trajectory on a certain path. Now, Mm -hmm. for reference, I saw an advertisement for my local like three weeks before it happened and was like, this sounds like a great idea and prepared in three weeks. So I didn't have a lot of forethought into how I was going to do this or like Mm. what I was supposed to do. Mm. I didn't know anything about MAO other than what I had seen watching Miss America, you know, growing up and competing in a few other pageants, but they were not Miss America. So I really had no concept of what was supposed to be done, which was beautiful because I just did whatever I wanted and then ultimately just stuck with that because it was working. So figuring out who you are before you walk into that situation, I think is one of the most important things Mm -hmm. that you can do. Because when we talk about finding your voice, how do you find your voice if you don't know who you are or what Mm -hmm. you want? You can't advocate for yourself if you don't even know what you want. And if you're just going to listen to everybody else around you and you don't really even know what you want to do, how can you advocate for yourself? Mm -hmm. So for me, I didn't have to do that a lot because I think everyone kind of recognized they're like, okay, this girl's a little bit different. Um, she's just going to be like that. Which I is love Allie, can you confirm? I love Camille so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, there were certain situations in terms of what I was wearing, the way I was going to do my demonstration, certain things that people wanted to change. And I'm open to suggestions, but I'm going to make the decision at the end of the day because I knew what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. For example, yeah. one of the things that was really interesting, I wore a white suit for my interview at Miss Virginia. And it was the same one that I wore as Miss America at Miss America. And somebody wanted to change my interview outfit because they said it made me look too serious. Because I talk about drug addiction and I talk about substance mm-hmm. use disorder. I talk about um, Medicaid, like pharmaceuticals in the United States. I talk about um, science and women in STEM. And I talk, I have all, you know, I'm this person with a science background. They're like, this is, this is really serious. You don't really seem like relatable um, it's too much. They're like, we need to put you in color. We need to put you like in a dress, like really make you look a little bit more feminine. And I was like, nope, I'm good. (laughs) I'm like, if you think I'm too serious, then, then I shouldn't like, if I'm too serious for the job, then I shouldn't win because Mm -hmm. this is the kind of person that I'm going to be. I want to walk in there in my suit. And that's just the, that's the kind of vibe that I want to give off. And if that doesn't work for me, that's okay. Like, Ultimately, I went into every competition feeling like, hey, I'm going to show them who I am because I don't want them to be surprised if I win and be like, ooh, this is a different person than we saw during the competition. Mm -hmm. And so having that mindset was really important and it helped me make really decisive um, kind of decisions throughout that entire experience. And so when I went to Miss America, I'm like, if I come in last place here, I'm going to leave and be like, hey, I did everything I wanted to do. And I would be really satisfied with that because I think when you let other people influence the way that you compete or the decisions that you make, then when you aren't successful, you then can put that blame on, oh, well, someone told me to do something differently. If I, maybe if yeah. I had just done it this way, I would have been successful. But if you're just really, really confident in the choices that you're making, it helps you cope with winning or losing. Yeah, And that really did help me. Um, but I think ultimately being a little bit older competing. So I competed at, I won when I was 23 at Miss Virginia. I was 24 when I won Miss America. And now I'm almost 27 because it's been a long time. Being a little bit older also helped me figure out what I wanted out of the experience. And I think that you asked about kind of how Miss America is, is moving forward and changing. Yeah. I heard what they were saying and like, we want 
someone who has a business plan of what they want to do, um, someone who's going to be able to lead this themselves, um, and really come in and be an authentic version of what a woman in this country looks like right now. And ultimately, I I don't know if I'm like, you know, not everyone's going to be like me, and I recognize that, and it's hard to be like, re- represent everyone because Mm -hmm. everyone is different and unique in their own way but for me what I tried to incorporate in everything that I did was being yourself and I talked about this a lot in schools and of course it's like okay we get it be yourself we hear that all the time but I come in and I talk about science but I talk about why it's totally okay if you don't like science yeah yeah like I like science because I like all of these things but what do you like what are your talents I mm-hmm. want to know what your talent is. You're a musician. That's so cool. I wish I could do that. Like embracing the skills that you have and then learning how to use them for your own success. So I have skills in science and I use those in a way to help me be successful. So what are your skills and how can you use them? And I know that's kind of like an elementary way to express it, but understanding that as successful young women in this country, We have to figure out what makes us unique and embrace that and put that in the forefront. And that's Mm -hmm. what I wanted to express. And I think that that's what I see Miss America as doing, not necessarily being the cookie cutter girl that we all, you know, imagine it isn't necessarily attainable. Miss America is an attainable figure to me. And I, I think that that was something that was really important to me to be someone that you could look at and relate to and feel like, Hey, she kind of looks like me. She kind of sounds like me. I feel like maybe I could be Miss America. And I feel like Emma kind of gives that same expression. She was very authentic in the way that she talked about her experience with ADHD and dermatillomania and shared her story. She also wore a white suit. I was like, girl, I like you. Um, (laughs) But she was very natural and authentic. And I, I felt like many girls could relate to her. And that's what I, I've always loved about Miss America is that, that that woman can make you feel like you can be Miss America. And I think that that's really the extraordinary part of what Miss America has become. Um, and I particularly was really excited about moving away from body image because that's something that I have struggled with so deeply. I struggled with an eating disorder and I never wanted mm. to feel like I had to change my body to earn that job. And I didn't ever want any girl that I encountered to look at me and feel like she had to change herself because of anything in this world and that she was enough in whatever body she was in right then that she was worthy. And that was so important to me to be able to just walk in there in whatever form I was in and feel like I was going to be judged off of the words that I was saying and the authenticity that I brought and what I wanted to do with the role. And so I hope that that really does continue because, um, the skills that I got from Miss America, I mean, people, a lot of people don't understand. Now you both understand, but a lot of people in this world we know do not understand the value of what we do. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of the professional development, I talk about it being a two-year internship. I mean, I literally got paid in scholarships and a salary to do work in my own field. I did so much with the pharmacy community and with um, drug and alcohol abuse in this country and science and have so many connections. And it was so invaluable to me um, that, and you know, I go back to school. We talked about, I'm back in school now and my, my CV looks so much different than all of my friends. And it's put me leaps and bounds ahead. It gave me two years of work experience. Uh, so when I do go get my first job, when I'm 30, um, <laughs> I will have lots of experience behind my belt and, 
I think that that was also because I did it in a way that expressed who I was. And I would also say to anyone who's thinking about competing in a local or a state competition, I really encourage you to shape your social impact initiative to something that's career related to you, if that feels right, because it Mm -hmm. gives you the opportunity to get direct experience in whatever you want to do long-term through competing. And it became a really easy way for me to do advocacy and outreach in my own space that was really relatable to what I want to do long-term. And so now I have these really um, relevant pieces of experience on my resume and my CV that make me a very different candidate. So I would say that that, I'm glad I did that. I didn't really think of that beforehand. I just, you know, my, my place of, or my kind of um, what I'm studying and what I wanted to advocate for just happened to be related. But if you can intentionally figure out a way to bring those together, it can be really beneficial long-term. That's awesome. Yeah. I, to just let us in a little bit to that part of the journey your planning process and how Camille does that yeah I think there's less well there's a lot of planning into how the demo is going to go on stage but there's less like strategic planning than you would think it started as just like this is what I want to do I'm really passionate about that that was kind of like the Miss Virginia level and I was like I'm gonna go blow stuff up and see how it works and (laughs) the reason that a lot of this happened in terms of like Kelly Clarkson was through social media so that video ended up getting posted on social media and it kind of went viral there's one um gosh i think it's from brute media that posted it i think it has like over 10 million views or something ridiculous because people were like this is very confusing and it was very entertaining to a lot of people to watch this in like a pageant space so we actually the miss virginia organization got an outreach from the kelly clarkson show which was just starting at the time that i had won and I remember MC Gravely from Miss Virginia was, we were at Miss America's Outstanding Teen and he's like, the Kelly Clarkson show called. And I was like, really? I'm like, I didn't know she had a show. And he's like, it's new. They want you to be on the first week. And that was just incredible. And a lot of it went through social media because people share things and people were excited. And so the photos and videos ended up kind of circ- circulating mm-hmm. through the internet and people were excited by it. That was how a lot of the media that I got as Miss Virginia came about. I was on a lot of national talk shows when, or really morning shows like news, Mm -hmm. uh, when I won Miss Virginia and it was just kind of a whirlwind for me. I never expected that it would become as, um, exciting for people as it did. So a lot of that just came kind of as word of mouth, but as Miss America, of course, it becomes a very through the Miss America organization. So a lot of the events, I think either my booking manager found or people reached out, um, one of them was really cool because there was a princess from Iraq that reached out to us to have me come and speak at the UN. So that, I don't know if you've ever seen the photos of me at the UN, Mm -hmm. but I was invited by her Royal Highness, Nisreen Al-Hashimite, who is an MD, PhD and a princess. So she was like, I'm the science princess from Iraq. You're the science princess from America. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. And um, I kind of go back to the fact that, you know, it, you ha- things have to be natural. 
Yeah. Like if you force things and if you like try to strategize too hard, it seems forced. Mm-hmm. For me, I just wanted to go out and be the goofy science girl and like go and do fun stuff with kids. And if people liked it, then they liked it. And ultimately, I think people seeing my passion in it became part of what made it really relatable to people and exciting because they're like, this girl really likes this. <laughs> I'm like, I really do. <laughs> and it became kind of the persona that I that I brought on. But I think when I went to Miss America, I really when I was thinking about thinking about strategy from Miss Virginia to Miss America, I wanted to show who I was at, at Miss Virginia and it was successful, but I wanted to kind of up the game a little bit for Miss America. I also changed the way I like styled my hair during the science thing because some, some people in the science community were like, she really shouldn't have her hair down or have dangling earrings on during the demo. I'm like, you're not wrong. And I really wanted to be true to like the real uh, technicalities of science. So I changed my hair, which is why I won in an updo. If anyone's wondering, the reason that I won in that little tight, you know, chignon bun was because it was uh, a very PPE personal protective hairstyle for my science. Um, <laughs> but going to Miss America, I'm like, okay, I want to show how what I do is going to translate in every single situation that I could be in as Miss America. Mm. You know, this is my talent, right? I do this science demonstration, but I want you to imagine me in schools. I want you to imagine me at corporate events doing this demonstration and Mm. connecting it into how I could help expand the organization, bring business, but also bring relevance into, well, not not that Miss America didn't have relevance, but continue relevance in Miss Mm. America. Um, And then with my social impact initiative, why this is important, really understanding that my job was to be relevant in every space that I was in because ultimately that's what's going to help Miss America succeed as an organization and as a as a person is being relevant in every room that she's in yeah, uh, and yeah. so that was kind of my strategy and in going into Miss America is was not proving my relevance but demonstrating it to be like hey these are the skills that I have these are this is why even though this seems really specific I'm going to show you all the reasons why it's actually really um, something that a lot of people are going to be interested in. And I think that it was. So it was really cool to be able to do it. And I'm really proud of of the way that I went about my whole experience, really from start to finish, in just saying, hey, this is who I am. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. Uh, And if you don't like it, then I'm sorry. (laughs) And some people don't always like that, but you have to be sharing yourself. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about before and figuring out who you want to be. What kind of title holder do you want to be? You don't have to just do everything everyone says. Yeah. And I'm not telling you to like be a defiant person, but it's okay to have your own opinions and it's mm-hmm. okay to stand up for yourself and say, no, that doesn't make me comfortable or no, that's not who I am as a person. So I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, even as a title holder, because you have to look at who you are and, and what works for you. And I've had to do that a couple of times and I'm proud of those decisions. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I wish we could talk to you for like two hours, but you have a call <laughs> in 15 minutes. So rounding this out, um, and we'll make sure that we have your social media and all that so people can learn more about kind of the real life mm-hmm. social impact that you're doing now with your advocacy and everything. Yeah. But yeah. I want to know, kind of final question, you were talking about you're a full-time grad student now again. 
What is it like post Miss America? So I know what Allie and I have experienced, like the day after you give up that crown, and especially for you being a title holder for like two and a half years. What were those emotions and how did you prepare yourself to like separate yourself from the identity of Miss America? Mm -hmm. Did you have a mental breakdown? Did you cry for three days? (laughs) Were you totally fine? Did you prepare yourself, you know, three months before that? And then I also want to know, like, do you get recognized at the, you know, at a coffee shop? How did your peers and your grads, like, do they call you Miss America when you're in class? Like, how has like assimilating back into yeah, normal life great. been? Okay. That's great. Yeah. For real life, Camille. I love that. So I was really relieved to be done, to be honest. <laughs> I think that, you know, I had gone back to school in mm-hmm. August. So I had already gone through a semester by the time that I gave up my title. Oh, my wow. second year was much more of a hybrid. I was not a full-time Miss America in 2021. So I really like kind of gradually went out of the position. And it was just that, you know, the technicality of me putting a crown on somebody else's head um, became like the really official moment that it was over. But that day I was I was really excited and relieved because it is so much pressure and it had been for yeah. so long. Yeah. But I will say I'm really a non-emotional person, maybe to a fault sometimes, but I actually Love cried <laughs> when I crowned Emma. Aww. And I was like, I think I was like overwhelmed. And I, I don't usually get that overwhelmed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope these pictures, you can't tell that I'm crying. You can't. Um, and then my mom <laughs> took my crown off in the dressing room and she cried and then I'm a sympathetic crier. So then I cried, but it was also just like relief. It's like, Oh my gosh, it's over. (laughs) I'm like, I'm glad, but I'm ready to move on. And Hmm. it's interesting because in my real life, I, you know, I've always been this like goofy Camille human that like, you know, people are like, Oh, I kind of forget you're Miss America sometimes. I'm like, me too. And (laughs) I am still that person in life. When I came back to school, I don't talk about Miss America at school unless somebody asks me because I don't want to be that person that comes in and I'm like, hi, I was Miss America. Do you want yeah. to hear all yeah. about it? Like, no one ew. cares. So We're there annoying. to yeah. pharmacy. Yeah. It would be annoying. But if people ask me about it, I'm happy to talk about it. But I almost feel like everyone knows, but no one says anything. Occasionally, people will ask me questions about it. People people know about it, but they don't want to make me feel weird. And I don't want to be like that girl that always talks about being Miss America. Yeah. So I have had plenty of conversations with my peers about it, but no one has made me feel uncomfortable. And I think that people are trying to like mitigate because they don't want me to feel like they're all like fangirling. Um, And I don't think a lot of people do. I think they recognize that I'm just a normal human like they are. And I come in and I look like a half dead animal on test days too. Like (laughs) we all look like that. And so we're just, we're just humans and we're all in the same classes. Um, but I will say my professors, I think have been really interested to have me back in their classes. I spoke to like the whole medical center at VCU, which is where I go to school Yeah, wow. as Miss America, <laughs> like to the health system. And so a lot of them were there. So I'm like giving a lecture to them. And so then now I'm coming back and they're like, Oh, hello. It's good to see you again. They know exactly who I am, but no one has made me feel any different. And that was one of the things that was really important to me. I didn't want to be treated any different. I didn't want to be treated, you know, special because I was Miss America. Just treat Mm -hmm. me like everybody else because I'm going to come in and take my tests and look dead. So that's really my day-to-day experience. No one knows me in real life. I think I've only ever gotten recognized maybe like once or twice in the whole experience. That's the beauty of um, the crown. Without the crown, you have a lot of anonymity. And 
that becomes a really like binary situation where you put it on and people are like, oh, who are you? And then you take it off and no one knows who you are. Yeah. That's kind of beautiful in the sense like compared to being like a traditional celebrity that they would just consistently get followed and, and, you know, you know, all the time, just people would bother them constantly. No one really knows. And I don't really bring it up uh, partially for my own good and safety because I'm often by myself, but because I also, it's not the whole piece of who I am. So I'll, I'll, I happily, happily share my experiences with it, but I have a lot more, that I can offer to outside of that. And I don't want it that to be my whole identity. And so I think that kind of going back to like, did I have a mental breakdown? I think my identity was always equally uh, balanced between being myself and serving as Miss America. And I did not yeah. ever put my whole identity in that role. It's beautiful. So when I came out of it, I was like, hey, I'm still Camille and I'm really excited to be Camille. And I got to do this and I'm happy to share about it and think of all the cool things that you know, this brought me in the last two years, but I also have a lot of things that I can offer to you without a crown on Mm -hmm. and remembering that you have those skills is how you can effectively transition back into a really successful, normal professional life, but also reap the benefits of the fact that you got to do this. Um, and I, I very rarely will pull the Miss America card, <laughs> but I have a couple times. And for example, I, I talk about my rare disease and I do a lot of advocacy in the rare disease space. And I was really struggling at the beginning of my semester. And I reached out to a doctor that specialized in EDS and um, she didn't have any appointments for like eight months. And I'm like, well, let her know that, that I'm Miss America and I've done a lot of advocacy with EDS. Well, I got an appointment the next week. Um, and I, oh I rarely do that, but I was like, you know, I've done a lot in this space and, um, she, she knew I was struggling too. So I, I, I don't want to be that person ever, but in certain situations it becomes like a little bit helpful. Uh, but I'm not really going to, I'm not going to go to a restaurant and be like, hi, I would like the, the prime seat. I was in Miss America, but if it helps me get a doctor's appointment, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's actually been really cool because a lot of, I'll just say like a lot of the doctors that I work with in my chronic disease space mm-hmm. have been familiar with Miss America having this disease and have been mm-hmm. really excited about that because people don't really talk about rare diseases a lot, particularly ours. And I've gotten to go to some labs and, and, you know, fundraise for certain research pieces of this disease and then talk to a lot of really incredible providers um, and access really wonderful providers as well, which has just been really yeah. cool because they're all like, ooh, we'll evaluate you. And I'm like, cool, that would be wonderful. I need that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, transitioning back has been really pretty streamlined, um, both in school and in life. And so now I'm just just being back. I will say it's funny because I live in an apartment complex and some of my neighbors have started to, in the last year, have started to realize who I was because again, I'm not going to walk around my apartment complex and be like, guess who I am? Yeah. Um, they just know me as like Roxy's mom. Roxy's my dog. And then one of the people a couple weeks or I guess a couple months ago was like, I just realized that you were Miss America. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, I just thought you were Roxy's mom. I'm like, I am Roxy's mom. <laughs> and um. It's just funny because we all have to kind of understand. It's like a kind of a, a little bit of an identity crisis for all of us when we go yep. through this of like, how am I going to be myself? It is a little bit interesting on social media because I try to figure out how like, what's, what's my own brand now as yeah. a person outside of Miss America and kind of sharing who I am. And I, I've struggled on how to do that. Um, I'm also not the most creative person on social. So I'm like, <laughs> what can I do now instead of having all these crown picks? 
So uh, it's it's a process, but I'm I'm grateful to be back just as Camille now. I think she's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> so do we. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, we'll make sure that we have everybody know exactly what you're up to with Her Royal Scientist and with your personal brand. And you've just been such a delight. Thank you for being so open and for being an amazing Miss America. Yes. And we wish you all the best in all of your endeavors in the future. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Hey guys, Coach Megan here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Powerhouse Podcast. We're so honored to have you wherever you are, near or far away from the great metropolis of Omaha, Nebraska, where we are from. We are so proud to be your virtual coaches. If you could just share this with a friend that you feel like needs to hear this today, give us a five-star review if you haven't already, and click that link below in our show notes. We promise we are the nicest people. We are the nicest people, we promise, and we'd love to meet you, and we'd love to to figure out if you're a good fit for our programs or make a suggestion for a different coach, different consultant, different person that's a professional in their field that can help you. The reason why we do it this way, actually, because a lot of people ask is because we want to help you practice the elements of being a great title holder from the very beginning. And one of those things is vulnerability. One of those things is being a self-starter. One of those things is being able to reach out and cold email, cold call, cold DM somebody that you don't know because of the potential opportunity on the other side of things. When I was Miss Nebraska and Miss Nebraska USA, just letting y'all know that's how you get media. That's how you get appearances. That's how you get sponsors is being willing to put yourself out there. And so we want to help you practice that from the very beginning, learn more about you and discover um, if we can help you and we'll point you in the right direction for one of our services programs and the right coach for you. Otherwise, we will absolutely make a best suggestion for you in a different direction. Because at the end of the day, we're not territorial about needing to coach every person in the world. We just want you to find your right fit so that you can make your dreams come true and unlock the winner within you. Anyways, just wanted to encourage you guys in that today. Again, leave us a review, DM us um, on Instagram at any of our handles. And with that, we'll see you guys next week.